Hello. Hello. Salam and good evening to you, worthy friend. Please, please come closer. Uh, too close, a little too close. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Disney Brit Radio Show. Thank you again once again for joining us. And I can say again how many times? I don't know. Hello, Alan. Hi, Adam. How are you doing again? I'm good again. How are you again? Eh, not too bad again. Good. Uh, what show number are we on? Oh, don't tell me that one. <laughs> I don't it's know probably what probably about it is. 180 or something like that. 180. 180. Oh, close. 179. 179. Okay, it's 180x then. That's fine. Um, so you're all right, are you? Yeah, yeah, everything's going amazing. Amazing. We're out of Christmas. We're halfway through January. Yeah, we're, we're nearly February. Nearly this, although it's the shortest month, we've got a leap year this year, haven't we? Yeah. That means people... Is it women can promote... promote uh, I'll put my teeth back in. Women can propose to men on the 29th of February, can't they? Yes. Oh, they well, they can, they can promote marriage if they want to. They can promote marriage. Yes. Well, like a marketing campaign. Yes. Okay, that's fine. Not for another month, but yeah, that's cool. Um, and that also means that if you're paid by like an annual salary, yeah, you've got an extra day of work that you're not getting paid for. Yeah, that's also true, which is that's rubbish. I didn't think of it like that. Thanks yeah. for putting that in there. That's made me feel really terrible. Um, is that you? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people. Um, so this episode, let's uh, tell you what we're going to be doing. We've got a Disney's Ultimate Attraction, which we're going to be doing. We've also got Tomorrow's Child, which uh, we've got a couple of bits for, which we're going to play. And um, we want to talk about uh, Disneyland Paris again this week, because uh, there was some news that came out this past few days uh, from the Euro Disney's 2015 annual, sort of, it's a reference document that's been created for um, the upcoming of AGM that's happening. And it kind of outlines their financial situation since the sort of $1 billion recapitalization and all those bits and pieces and there was some really interesting stuff in there that I think we wanted to talk about a little bit and uh, well, oh and we want to talk to you a little bit about how you can get involved in the show as well so that's pretty much what we're going to be doing this week um, have I missed anything out is that everything Um. oh hang on hang on yeah I've got a, a Star Wars joke what a Star Wars joke yes I've been uh, emailed in a Star Wars joke Okay, go on then. Let's let's hear the Star Wars joke. Hang on a second. I've got to find it. Oh. Two seconds. Hang on. Right, okay. It is from Chris. Okay. Right, two seconds. Right. Why can't you count on Yoda to pick up the beer tab? I don't know. Why can't you count on Yoda to pick up the beer tab? Because he's always a little short. Okay. Thanks very much for that one. That's 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 good. That that was a, that was a good one. Well done, you. Uh, okay, so I think today, uh, shall we start off with Disney's Ultimate Attraction because it's going to take us a little while with a few of those, and then we'll move on. Yeah, go for okay, it. Okay, here it is. Okay, so this is the ultimate attraction. We've uh, been doing a little while now, and we're coming to the end of our next round, where we've got uh, six more pairs that we're going to talk about today. They're going to go through to the next round, and then, live on the show, yes, we are going to uh, pick out the next pairings. Well, Alan is going to pick out the next pairings, because he doesn't know what's on which number, so uh, that's all going to be good. Right then, so our pairings for today are Mickey's Philomagic versus It's a Small World, Peter Pan versus the Main Street Electrical Parade, Spaceship Earth versus Big Thunder, Seven Dwarf Mine Train versus Space Mountain, the Festival of Fantasy Parade versus Cinderella Castle and Expedition Everest versus The Haunted Mansion. So, uh, might as well delve straight into it then, Alan. Let's start with Mickey's Philomagic versus It's a Small World. So, question is, which one are you going for? Oh, man. This is, you know what? 
this should be such a hard question for the right reasons, but it's such a hard question for the wrong reasons. Yeah, I I know what you mean. Well, I know I, I don't know what you mean. I'm, I'm fairly certain I know where I'm going. Well, It's a Small World isn't a brilliant attraction. No. But it's the one that you should do every time you it's go. It's one of those things you torture yourself with by going on it every time, isn't it? Yeah. And Mickey's Magic isn't the best version of that type of ride or attraction. No, also true. So you're comparing two two tolerable attractions. <laughs> Harsh, maybe, to call them tolerable, but I, go on. I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to sway anything. Um, I think based on those two, I'll say Mickey's Magic. So you're going Mickey's Magic. Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. Right. So I'm getting. It's a small world. The thing is, with, with it's a small world, is that I get that it's obviously a 6465 World's Fair original. It was one that Walt Disney created, but it's just one of those attractions that I don't know. I, it doesn't irritate me. That's wrong. I just. I'm like you. I don't understand why it's so loved other than the fact that obviously yeah. Walt Disney came up with it and I, I think it was ruined for me as a child because you know every trip we went on you went on it several times it was kind of one of those things and I remember being with my dad and doing it like three times in a day or something ridiculous like that yeah. and I think I've got that kind of stigma attached to it a little bit it has been updated you know and again that they are have put some of the kind of Disney characters as dolls in the attraction as well but if it comes up against Philly Magic and I, I think I've t- spoke about Philly Magic before about the fact that it was the first time they computer generated the, the characters I like the 4D effects with it I love the end with Donald I love the illusion with the theatre appearing and disappearing and all that sort of stuff yeah and so I think you know you're right it's not the best example of a 3D movie but I still think it's pretty good um, and I, if I was to choose, if I could only ride one of those two attractions again, it would be Filler Magic over It's a Small World every time. So, I'm voting for Mickey's Filler Magic. Same as me. And because we both voted for Filler Magic, It's a Small World goes out. Ooh, was it that close? Yeah, it was that close. It was, um, there was It's a Small World was winning by one vote. Uh, wow. Until we voted, and then we've just knocked it to Small World Hell, which I don't know whether I should feel bad about or not. I'm not really sure. Anyway, uh, out with the old, in with the new. It's a Small World's gone. Right next up is Peter Pan or Peter Pan's Flight versus the Main Street Electrical Parade. Okay, <sighs> where do I go with this one now? Obviously, Main Street Electrical Parade, the original Electrical Parade. Um. But there is something quite nice about Peter Pan's Flight. Again, it's another one of those attractions. It's kind of doesn't actually do a lot. And I think what what people love about it so much is the flying over London, the scene there when you're in the boats and you can see everything working, and then you fly over Neverland, etc. Um, I think they're nice touches. But does it beat Main Street Electrical Parade? Main Street Electrical Parade is a big old parade as well. Mm, true. Is it as good as Spectrum Magic, Fantillusion, those sort of I would say probably yeah it is and having seen the technology that uses as well as on the um, backstage the Keys of the Kingdom tour kind of gave me a new appreciation for it so I'm going to go Main Street Electrical rather than Peter Pan where are you going with this? well that was you see I'm I'll, I'll look at the attraction probably I'm, I'm not really see the way that I'm looking at this I'm not going to be comparing Main Street Electrical directly with Peter Pan's Flight. No. Because I'm thinking Main Street Electrical Parade, to me, wasn't as good as Spectrum Magic. Fair enough. This, the, the music in Spectrum Magic was better, I felt, um, than Main Street Electrical Parade. So, I think that it, w- it was a bit like wheeling in something that was in the cupboards. You know, I, I yeah. would have preferred to see it move further forward than bring something in from the Fair past. Fair enough. So, for that, to me, that marks that down. Yeah. Now, Peter Pan's Flight, they've just added some new bits to it in the queuing area. They have the new interactive queue. So, so they're already they're they're adding to it. They're improving it. They're yeah. moving it forward, and the, the queuing special effects are pretty cool. Um, seeing Tinkerbell flicking around all the places, um, and as you say, the attraction is one of those slightly unique things that you're flying over. Yeah. The scenes rather than just sitting in a cart moving around. Yeah. So 
because of that uniqueness about the the way that the boat moves around, I think that Peter Pan's flight has to win as well. Okay, so you're going Peter Pan's flight. Yeah. Uh, Peter Pan's flight goes out. Main Street Electrical Parade had nearly triple the amount of votes in Peter Pan. Oh, never. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't far off. It's about three show, three votes or so short of having triple the votes of Peter Pan's flight. So Peter Please. Pan's flight goes. Unlucky. See you later. Right, next up. Here's a tricky one. Spaceship Earth versus Big Thunder Mountain. Okay, so Spaceship Earth, dark ride to do with... Uh, the history of communication, Big Thunder Mountain, obviously roller coaster, family friendly. Hmm. Now, I think what I'm going to say here is that if we were talking about a Jeremy Irons version of Spaceship Earth, <laughs> rather than a Judy Dench version <laughs> of Spaceship Earth, then this would be a much harder choice for me. The thing is with Spaceship Earth. It's not really changed a huge amount over the years. Um, I still like it. It's still a great attraction. But the problem with it is the fact that I think it's lost some of its charm over the years rather than gained it. Big Thunder Mountain, I think, is two attractions in one. It's great during the day. It's brilliant during the, uh, the evening as well. You can ride it daytime and nighttime get a completely different experience, which is one of the things I love about it, uh, and whether that be the Paris version, the Florida version, whatever. Um, I know this is obviously we're just talking about the Florida version here. Um, I think Spaceship Earth pales in comparison to Big Thunder, if I'm honest. Because oh, it's lost a little bit of its quality with the changes that have happened over the years. So I'm going Big Thunder Mountain. Okay. I see what you've done there. Yep. Um, my views are Spaceship Earth had a big refurb a few years ago. Okay. And they did update a few scenes. And... It did seem to improve it. Yeah. Um, in terms of what you were getting to see, and the whole communication thing, mm -hmm. and seeing Steve Jobs or whoever it is supposed to be, or Bill Gates working on his yeah. little computer. Mm -hmm. You know, that was quite a nice little touch there. Mm. And it was a good way of moving forward the whole communication thing. But. What's my but? I don't know, it's, it's so slow moving, isn't it, Spaceship Earth? It is, yeah. It's nice that they've added, obviously, the interactive screens and stuff, so you've got something to look at on the way down. Yeah. It's. It, I, I think when you see it the first time, it's it's amazing. Well, okay, that maybe that's a bit extreme, that. Amazing. I think that if they improve the animatronics, they are a bit mannequin-esque. Yes, this is true. Um, they haven't really changed very much at all, have they? No. So, so they're, they're, they're not fluid motion. They're very... I'm going to say linear in their in the motion. Sort of, if, if you watch them for two minutes, they'll be doing the same motion over and over again. Yeah. They write, if there's a guy writing, he's writing the same letter over and over again. You know, it's it's not... It doesn't... You, you, you would just see that repetition. So, for that purpose, I think that's a bit meh. Um, Big Thunder Mountain. Um, is it the Paris one that's getting the update or the... Uh, it's Paris at the moment that's getting the update. The Big Thunder's right. due to be closed until, I believe, November time. Okay. So, there, there is potentially plans for it to be improved upon. Um, there is the improved the queue area, yeah. um, which was quite exciting, um, quite interesting, and a good way of filling in time. Um, the attraction is family-friendly as well. Um, my mother, who didn't like roller coasters, um, went on it by accident. <laughs> Um, How did you she, it by accident? Well, we, we knew what it was. Yeah. And we were queuing up in this long queue. And I'm talking 1990, you know, years ago. Yeah. And she said, oh, why do we want to go on a, down a mine? I've, we've been on a mine in Beamish, where it's a coal mine. And um, she thought it was actually a, a mining attraction. And it was only when we went to about the third sort of gateway that you can't go back through. Yeah. She started to realise what it was. And you didn't tell her? We didn't tell her. That's harsh. I think so, I've done uh, that to my uncle on Space Mountain in uh, Disneyland Paris. She, uh, it's, it's good fun. I mean, when she came off the ride, she was totally shaking, dying to light up a cigarette. <laughs> um, but couldn't couldn't light it because her hands were shaking too much. Brilliant fun. Anyway, Big Thunder Mountain. I love it. 
I love the attraction. It's a it's good fun. There's plenty to see um, throughout the ride, and you could probably go on it two or three times and notice something different. Um, whereas I think Spaceship Earth, you go through it once, and you've yeah. got more than enough time to notice everything. Yeah. Um, you could probably even photograph everything if you didn't have a flash, because that's very annoying for people. So I would say the Big Thunder Mountain goes through for me. Okay. So you're saying Big Thunder Mountain, I say Big Thunder Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain goes through, knocks out Spaceship Earth. Wow. That was probably one of the closest ones, I think. I thought might have been close for people, but actually there was quite a few uh, votes in between the two. Okay, right. next up, um, two similar attractions about 40 years in the making. Not quite, but <laughs> not far off. Uh, Seven Dwarves Mine Train versus yep. Space Mountain. Question is, are you going old or new? Mm. Go on. Um, it's me up first, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, we went on Seven Dwarfs Mine Train for the first time this year. Yeah. Tell a lie, it was last year now. Years ago, quickly. Um, and I loved the concept of it. The whole swinging cart thing. Yeah. It wasn't over-the-top swinging. Um, but the, then the ride goes into that dark ride moment where you see the dwarfs and the projections yeah. and it's, it's there's something really magical about that bit and then when you come out of it it's boom you're into a ride it's good fun space mountain all i remember from it in the past is it was just uncomfortable <laughs> you you sort of rattled around a bit right okay um i think cuz it's in the dark you you can't prepare yourself for what's happening no even even though you can't really prepare for yourself in a roller coaster that much anyway, but I can remember being sort of jolted around and being quite aware. Do you sit next to each other on that ride? You sit behind each other. Behind each other. Yeah. Is it the California one where you're side by side? Yes, I really so. And the Paris version as well. Okay. So I was just sort of paranoid about sort of whacking my head off stuff. But yeah, I, I think I think if it was. The Disneyland Paris version, my viewpoint would be different, mm. but because it's 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 a very basic roller coaster, just in the dark with a few dotted lights. You're going, yeah. you're going Seven Dwarfs, aren't you? I'm going Seven Dwarfs. <sighs> oh wow. Okay, so you're going Seven Dwarfs. Um, I do like Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Is it anything spectacularly different to things we've seen before? Mm, maybe, maybe not. Um, I think you look at the idea of there being a dark ride element to it as well as there being a coaster element to it, and people say, wow, that's different. Well, we have had that with like Crush's Coaster in Disneyland Paris, so it's not something they haven't done before. Mm -hmm. um, Space Mountain was a massive game changer. It was the first roller coaster to have been created using computer. It was about 1975, I believe, it opened. Um, and uh, the actual outside building was, was designed by John Hench on the back of a napkin. Which always amazes me that they'll be able to come up with something on the back of a napkin and it created, created it a park. I think my argument would be, and this is kind of the, the reason for my thinking, if Space Mountain never existed, neither would Big Thunder Mountain or Seven Dwarfs Mine Train or Expedition Everest or, you know, Rock and Roller Coaster because of Disney's use of computer-generated roller coasters from there that then spurred on the development of everything else in order for everything else to come yeah um i like space mountain i like the f the fact that it's got two tracks inside which is slightly different i like the fact that you don't know what's coming next because it's dark i like the updated sound they've got in there um i just and again i have fond memories of it as a child i remember going on it as, as one of the sort of first roller coasters i went on as a kid um, I love the fact that it makes it feel faster than the 30-something miles an hour that it's actually going. Um, yeah. Whereas I like Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, but I don't think it's... Is it unique enough and different enough to beat Space Mountain? I don't think it is. So I'm going to vote Space Mountain. Um, not that it matters, because Seven Dwarfs Mine Train wins by one vote. Yes. So Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, I can't believe it's knocked out Space Mountain. I think I'm actually slightly gutted by that. That's actually choice. just happened. So, we say goodbye to Space Mountain. Okay, next up. Um, Expedition Everest versus Haunted Mansion. 
Okay, well, I'm going to start off with this, and it's not yep. going to take me long to do this. Haunted Mansion is one of my favourite attractions of all time in the Disney Park. There is no way in a million years Expedition Everest is going to beat it, particularly now we've got Disco Yeti in there still, and it's never been the same. Yes, it's a good roller coaster. Yes, it's different, but at the end of the day, it's a roller coaster. Um, Haunted Mansion has a really clever storyline that goes with it. Um, I think one of the good things I like about it is there's still that mystery. We don't know exactly what the official story is, but we've got some elements of it in the interpretive queue. Um, again, it's it's a creation of an attraction that was an original idea by Rolly Crump and Walt Disney when they came up with the Museum of the Weird, and obviously the Haunted Mansion came out of it in the end. I like the fact that we've got the updated technology now. We've we've got the new star ghosts at the end to what we used to have so this is still evolving as an attraction we had the scenes with the impossible stairs that were kind of put in as well um so it's I, I like the fact that haunted mansion has evolved but the elements that have been put in haven't detracted from it they've added to it so i use test track as an example they've updated that they added elements and i think it detracted from what test track was whereas i think the additions to the haunted mansion added to it rather than took it away and it was a very brave decision for them to do that because that is such a classic iconic attraction that they could have ruined and didn't. Um, so I would say Haunted Mansion beats Expedition Everest, if I'm honest. Mm. Alan. Right. Well, I like Expedition Everest, even though it's a big roller coaster for a little boy like me. Mm -hmm. Have you ridden uh, it? I've ridden it probably about three times. Oh, okay, okay. That's, that's good. That's a start. It's a start. Um. The bit that I don't like is the whole free fall, big drop. The main but, one at the front. Um, yes. Yeah. But I've got, I've got to say that that to me is is a minor aspect of the ride, in compared to the the story behind it. Okay. Which, but then I will also say that there isn't that much of a ride there. You know, arguably some of the biggest bits of the ride is the lift hill. Yeah. Um, after you come off the lift hill, you end up sort of going to that end of the track and then reversing back out, and it's it's a lot of stop start. Okay. Um, and and I've got to agree with you about Disco Yeti. If uh, the original Yeti was still operating, mm. it would have it would be a much better attraction. Um, I don't think I've actually seen it moving. See, Anything? I have. I've been lucky enough to see it moving. I actually got to ride it on opening day. Cool. Well done. Uh, but that's probably about the only day that it did actually work. Yeah. It's um, it's a shame. It's, every, every time I went to Disney World, it was, will it be operating? And then there's a rumor that they're doing work on it, and then yeah. it's never been working for me. Um, Haunted Mansion. I think there's some very clever effects in there hmm. that I think people are overlook in terms of effects. Um, for example, one of the things that I think is quite cool is the ghostly um, um, bride. Yes. Where you, where you can sort of see through her. Yeah. Um, which it, and the face is talking to you, and it's just something very surreal about that one. Mm. Um, obviously, there's a lot of just traditional ghost train effects, like yeah. the I don't know, heads jumping up behind gravestones, yeah. which are a bit meh. Um, but I've, I've got to say that Haunted Mansion is 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 a good good attraction and. It's a it's a good length of attraction as well. Yeah, you don't feel short change for the amount of time you queue up. No. Now, obviously, they've added more stuff into the queue line since previously. Yeah. Um. So there's there's loads of stuff to do on that ride and attraction. So it's, I think Haunted Mansion has to be the pure winner there. For me. Okay. So you're saying Haunted Mansion as well? Yeah. Haunted Mansion goes through by a long way. Again, we're nearly three times as many votes for Haunted Mansion as we did for Expedition Everest. Um, so, Expedition Everest goes, Haunted Mansion goes through. Okay, final pair. Yep. Festival of Fantasy Parade versus Cinderella Castle. Alan, which one are you going for? Oh, that's... That is quite a hard one, really. Mm, really is. And the reason I'll say that is because the castle itself isn't obviously... Isn't really an attraction. Well, according to Disney, you know, according to the official information, it is an attraction. You can walk up in it. You can go and look at the uh, stained glass windows, stories, the mosaics, all those sort of things. Yeah, but it's. Is it, is it, would you say that Cinderella Castle 
was more of an attraction than Swiss Family Robinson's Treehouse. Uh, yes, I would argue it is. Because there's... I don't know. Although it's, they both just walk through and... However, you can eat your dinner at uh, Cinderella's Castle. Yeah. Or Cinderella Castle, even. Mm, okay. Um, Festival of Fantasy Parade. Although parades are a must-see, I'm not a... I don't think it's amazing, this one. Okay. There's just just something about it that I just think, eh, it's, it's all right. There, there are bits of it which I think haven't been operating properly. Yeah. Um, I think there's there was meant to be more people on, um, what they call it, maybe the the boat with uh, Rapunzel mm. rider. I think it's, it's it just seems to seems to be. I think there was, in my personal view, there should have been more. But it's good, but yeah. not where it could have been. Um, so that really puts me in an awkward position with. I'm not really the biggest fan of either of them. Okay. But because I've got two girls and we had such a good experience at Cinderella's Round Table, or yeah. whatever it's called, mm-hmm. the Royal Table. Mm-hmm. Cinderella's Royal Table, yeah. That couldn't happen if Cinderella Castle wasn't there. So I will have to say Cinderella Castle. Okay. Now, I'm in a similar dilemma to you with regards to Cinderella Castle. Is it or is it not an attraction? It's a tricky one. Um, you think about it's an icon of the park. And obviously it can't not exist because if it didn't exist, there'd be the big empty space right in the middle. And I was kind of thinking to myself, just because whether you call it an attraction or not, it can still exist. And I was trying to think about this, about what are the other icons in the other parks. Epcot obviously has Spaceship Earth. It's an attraction. Tree of Life arguably is an attraction because you can walk around that and walk around the the, the um, paths around there. Cinderella Castle attraction, and I'm thinking, ah, oh, now we see it. You know, can you argue it? Then, of course, at present, not for much longer, but at present, Hollywood Studios icon is the Eiffel Tower. And it was <laughs> at that point that I kind of went, well, actually, Eiffel Tower is not really an attraction; it's just something you can look at. So yeah. you could argue that Cinderella Castle was there for something. For somebody to look at, for you to go in and have dinner or go to the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique, etc. But it's not. But is it an attraction per se, in the way that a parade is an attraction? Now you could take the attraction element away from Cinderella Castle and just say it's a castle and it's there, and it wouldn't alter anything. Whereas if you took Festival of Fantasy Parade away, that there was then no longer a parade, and that really is something that's very staple when it comes to Disney. So it was kind of like. Which of these two would I say would be more missed as an attraction if it was taken away as an attraction? And that's the reason why I'm going for Festival of Fantasy Parade. Because a Cinderella Castle can exist without being an attraction. Festival of Fantasy Parade can't. I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you. That's, does, that, does my logic make sense? Well, it sort of does. But then you could also say, well, if Festival of Fantasy Parade didn't exist... Another parade would. Yeah, but then you'd have you'd, or, something else would have to exist as an attraction. Yeah. Or a festival fantasy parade didn't exist, you'd be able to walk up Main Street all day long, no problems. True. But I think a lot. Of, one of the things as well is with regards to um, festival fantasy parades. You know, there has to be a parade at Disney at Magic Kingdom. That's just kind of one of the things that that happens. You know, you don't ever not have a parade at Magic Kingdom. Um, so if they were to take that attraction away, there'd be a lot of people going, hang on a second, why is there not a parade? You know, th- there's always a parade. Whereas with Cinderella Castle, you just have Cinderella Castle there, you don't call it an attraction, and people would still go in and wander up and wander around and leave. Whereas to get rid of Festival of Fantasy Parade as an attraction, you would have to get rid of the parade, whereas just to take the attraction element away from Cinderella Castle, it could still just exist as an object, just like Eiffel Tower does. Yeah, all right, okay. That's my logic. But did you hear the rumour the other day about the Eiffel Tower? What are they doing to it? I mean, that's getting dismantled. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. They're getting rid of it. That, that to me, was 
an icon of Hollywood Studios. Yeah, so I don't know what's going to be the icon. I think it sounds like the Millennium Falcon's going to become the icon of the studios. Yeah, that's going. Uh, basically, most of the streets of America plus the... Um, the Honey, I Shrink the Audience. Uh, Surely I Shrink the, the Kids Movie Adventure set's going. Um, Lights, Motors, Action is going. All that kind of area there is all disappearing. Uh, Muppet Vision 3D has survived. And obviously up to Pixar Place. But that entire section of the park is all going to be flattened and cleared. Ready for Pixar Place uh, or the Pixar area. And the new Star Wars area. I think I read something somewhere that the Muppets was going to get expanded. Nope. Oh, uh, I don't know whether it's definitely going to get an expansion, but it's definitely not going anywhere, thank goodness. Right, this does leave us a bit of a dilemma, though. Go on, then. Because Cinderella Castle and um, Festival Fancy Parade have tied. Now, what we normally do is we then take our votes off and mm -hmm. then we work out from our listeners which wins. Yeah. But it's still tied. So... I think the only fair way to do this is we're going to put them both through to the next round and hope, in all hopes, that they get paired up against something else in order to find out whether they win. I think they, need, they deserve to have a fight against something else, don't they? Yeah, I think that seems fair enough. So we'll do that. The other fair option would be, I'm right, you're wrong. But yeah, that's, that's not a fair option. And as I've got all the buttons, I'm right and you're wrong. That's how it would work. Oh, um, yeah. Okay, so we've got our final 12 uh, for the next round. I'm not going to read them out. Uh, just yet, because okay. we're gonna we're gonna ma we're gonna match them up now, and we're gonna find out what happens to them. So, Alan, you have no idea a what the final twelve are, or b what order they're in. So, what yep. I'm gonna get you to do is I'm gonna get you to um, give us the numbers for the final twelve, and we're gonna find out just what exists where, and just what's gonna happen with what where, and and then okay. we'll go through this as the next round. And we're actually getting very close to the end now. So there's twelve. There are now twelve. Okay, which means I think it's time for this. Right, Alan. Give me yes. your first pair of numbers. Um, I'll tell you what I've actually done here. Yeah. E even though I don't know what numbers are associated with whatever, yeah. I've actually entered it into um, a website called random.com. Okay. Or random.org, yeah. even. So I'm going to generate 12 random numbers. Yeah. If I get a repeat, I will try again. Okay. So, first one is six. Six. That is Toy Story Midway Mania. Against ten. Goes up against Splash Mountain. Well, that's quite a good one. That is a good one. That's a tricky one. But to be honest, looking at the list, they're all going to be difficult from now on. Yeah. Unless you get um, Cinderella Castle. Yeah, against <laughs> Festival Best Fantasy. You got, what you got next? Um, seven. Is the Main Street Electrical Parade. Against two. That, uh, did you say number two? Number two. That is Big Thunder Mountain. Let's see. Okay, yeah. yeah. Let's see where that one could yeah, go. Yeah, I can see which way that's probably going to go. Um, number eight. Number eight is the Festival of Fantasy Parade. Number twelve. Against Kilimanjaro Safaris. <laughs> oh man, there's two here. I don't want to go up against each other. I know I can. I know where I can put that one. Um, I've got a number eight again, so I'll okay. do it. I've got a number six again. Four. Four. Cinderella Castle. Against number three. Seven Dwarf Mine Train. Okay. So you've got one, five, nine, and eleven left. Oh, this could be horrendous. Nine. Nine. Mickey's Filler Magic. Against one. Against the Haunted Mansion. Which leaves our final pairing. Which is the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror versus Soaring. Ouch. Wow. So the next round then, uh, this is, I would say this is probably quarterfinals now. Toy Story Midway Mania versus Splash Mountain. Main Street Electrical Parade versus Big Thunder Mountain. Festival of Fantasy Parade versus Kilimanjaro Safaris. 
Cinderella Castle versus Seven Dwarves Mine Train, Mickey's Filler Magic against the Haunted Mansion, and the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror versus Soaring. Wow. That is um that is some difficult pairs. I'm I'm kinda of pleased the Haunted Mansion has missed Twilight Zone and Soaring and Big Thunder. Yeah. It's also missed Splash as well, actually, which isn't a bad thing. It's again, from my opinion. Um, I think if I look at all of those, I've got, yeah, a definite winner from each one. Yeah, it's not necessarily the same winner as that one. No, 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 not necessarily. Not, obviously not necessarily the same winner as, as the listeners. But from my point of view, it's not too difficult to, to work out which one I'd want to win in each of those. Yeah. Um, so they'll be going up on the, uh, our Facebook page in the next couple of weeks, uh, next week or so. Uh, do keep an eye on the Facebook page for that. You can go and vote on, on those. Um, should we do all six in one go? Or should we do three and a three? I reckon three and a three. Three and a three. Okay, we'll do a three and a three. So we'll do Toy Story versus Splash, Main Street versus Big Thunder, uh, the Festival of Fantasy that one, the Festival of Fantasy Parade versus Kilimanjaro Safari, and then we'll do the other three in uh, in a few weeks' time after that. So look out for those, and we will put those up in the next few days. So in, within the next four shows. <laughs> At some point, no, we won't put them up. Um, okay, so that is our pairings our final six pairings that's amazing for that one and then we go through and we have three pairings and then no we don't yes we do oh i don't yeah know. uh okay so um let's talk this so a bit of tomorrow's child then so uh, do you want to just remind everybody what we talked about for our tomorrow's child and what we asked for tomorrow's child last time we did this yes um i awkwardly put adam on the spot and luckily he managed to dig us out of that one i said to him adam's chosen the topic for our tomorrow's child yeah and you said it would be what is your disney new year's resolution yes what do you want to do this year that is disney based etc so we got two in I've got to admit, I've got a confession here. You didn't do it. I... I... Go on. I hurried my kids off to bed too quickly, and I forgot to record with Yeah, them. well, I, I haven't done it either, so we're both as bad as each other, because I yeah. forgot totally to do it with mine. So here's two for you. This is William and Thomas, so we're going to listen to what they've got to say about their Disney uh, resolution. Here we go. Uh, I got I'm in the Disney World and the Haunted Mansion the very first time. Right, wants to go to Disney World, wants to go on the Haunted Mansion for the very very first time. Oh, that that's quite a big. Um, I think that's um, William that's saying that one. Yeah, it's William. Yeah. So that's quite a big step, really, because for a small child going onto the Haunted Mansion, regardless of what's in there, the word haunted is enough to yes. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, this is true. Um, just out of interest, do we know if William is going to Walt Disney World this year? Yes, they're going in. I'm gonna say October. Oh, that, that's a relief. I'm just checking because <laughs> that news, that resolution is gonna fall down if they're not going. Um, but yeah. Haunted Mansion, yeah, that'd be good. We need to find out how William did with that and how much he enjoyed it, etc. Okay, what's Thomas gonna do? Yeah, I am really excited to go to Disney World for the very first time and go stay in the hotel with all the animals. Bye. So his New Year's resolution is to go to Walt Disney World for the first time and stay, I'm guessing, Animal Kingdom Lodge? Yes. Ah. There we go. If I remember right, he's got a Savannah view. Nice. Oh, yeah. I'm not doing it by halves. That's good to hear. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. We can do it. We can do it properly. Um, okay, that sounds good. Yeah, it's um, certain. I think those resolutions will be achievable. Yes, I think so. Uh, because obviously they're heading over there, and I'm sure they're going to have a fantastic time. Yeah, I have no doubt they they definitely will have an amazing time. I'm jealous, very jealous. And um, I I wish I was going as well. Yeah, join the club. Um, right, do we really need another tomorrow's child for two weeks' time? I think we do. Uh, I know Alan's been thinking about this. Excuse me, I was just um, clearing a cough there. Um, I, I would like to hear the Tomorrow's Children yes. um, talking about their favourite Disney character of all time. 
Okay. And why? So we're asking for their favourite Disney character of all time and why. So it can be any character from television, films, theme parks. Yeah, anything from anywhere. It doesn't have to just be an animated one. As as Adam says, it could be from Descendants. Yeah, it can be Marvel, it can be Star Wars. Um, But it's got to be Disney. I was going to say one of the ones that's on Nickelodeon, but that's not not good. That's not Disney, don't do that. Um, Okay, so it's uh, radio at disneybrit.com. Uh, you can send your audio to just record it. Let's say it's really simple to do. Just do it on your iPhone. You can do it through the voice memo stuff, or you can do it via GarageBand if you want to. Uh, if you've got Android, I'm sure there's equally lovely things in Android, but um, we don't talk about Android. It's fine. Uh, you can do that, and uh, that's uh, radio at disneybrit.com. Send it through in the next couple of weeks, and we can then get that on the show. Right. One other thing we did mention is about how you can get involved in the show a little bit more, and um, a little bit like we've obviously got the children involved. Uh, we want to hear from you as well. Uh, we're looking for some people to join our team, uh, whether that be through the podcast or through the website or anything of that sort of nature. Um, we're kind of looking for some people to, to help us uh, run some bits and pieces, be on the show, all that sort of stuff, trying to expand the team a little bit. Do you want to kind of explain a little bit more, Alan, uh, with regards to kind of what we're looking for? Um, yeah, well, obviously, Disney Brit run a website. Um we the website itself is it, it's getting a lot of good hits. Don't get us wrong, um, but we just can't seem to get enough content on there. Yeah, it's, um, t- it's having the time for the content, isn't it? Yeah, like and I've I've got a, a young family. Um, I don't spend a lot of time on the computer anymore um, because after I've done all the homework and dealt with all that sort of stuff, I'm absolutely tired at the end of the day. Um, so. I've got to a point where I can't spend that much time on the website like I want to. Yeah. Um, so we're looking for someone who's who's got a bit of spare time and a Disney interest and would like to get involved with the website. Um, but likewise, would also like to add somebody into the podcast team. Yeah. Um, if you've got any interest in doing podcasting, um, drop us an email. And we're looking for you to join the team with us. Um, and... We will. I don't want to have a repetition of what happened last time. No. Um, but there would have to be some sort of audition. To, um, see how he sounds. See see how the the connection works. Uh, we, we may have a sort of. You come on as a guest host, and we'll we'll pick up some feedback and see if that's that works as an audition. Yeah. That's kind of the idea that we're looking for. So if you are interested, uh, then do let us know. It's radio at disneybrit.com and we can uh, certainly talk to you and, and, and put some things together and, and see how we do with that. Yeah. Right. Um, one, one of the things I'm going to say is... Yes. Well, there's, there's, there's two elements with, with being a podcaster and, and not necessarily just the fact that you've got to have an interest in Disney. Yeah. One is because obviously I've, I've been... I was talking to Adam before. I've been doing podcasting for nearly six years now. And... A lot of it comes down to being able to create that conversation, hmm. being able to not necessarily think what Adam's thinking, but get some sort of feedback from it. You know what I'm thinking. I'm impressed because I haven't got a clue half the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at you on the screen now. <laughs> um, in my Adam shrine. No, so, it it's, so it's 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 the bouncing back of the conversation. It's not necessarily just, well, I know all the Disney facts and I'm going to read them off the sheet. Yeah. It's it's about having a conversation, getting something flowing, yeah, so that people are interested. It's about being able to join in with that, isn't it? It's not being, you know, anyone can come onto a show and go, hmm, yes, I agree, hmm, yes, you know, we can all do that. It is. It's about being able to have that conversation. It's about being able to have to be, you know, animated enough and energetic enough, and to obviously have enough Disney subject knowledge to be able to to be able to join in you know as much as we'd love to say we know absolutely everything about disney it's a lie and if we're yeah. talking about something and we're not sure on about a fact we'll quite happily be researching it as we do the show and that's not an issue if something yep. comes up um so you know it's it's just about being able to to be you know to be part of that conversation really totally and not be afraid to have your opinion even if it's not the same as what adam says exactly yeah we you know we don't all agree on things and that's fine that's not a problem it's there's nothing here is is fact-based a lot of the time it is opinion-based and that's one of the things we like about it that we can have so many people who have different opinions on certain things and because that happens it then creates decent discussion on the show there's no point in us doing Disney autumn attraction and discussing it if we know that every single one we're going to do is going to be exactly the same because there won't be any discussion involved and there won't be any any debate involved um and i know there's a lot of people listening to 
the show and people who listen to it together who have those debates in their own car who yep. have strong opinions about what they think with regards to Disney and that sort of stuff so if you are interested obviously there will be some commitment involved in being a part of the show we're looking at um Sunday evenings is when we usually record the show uh, obviously we can be a little bit flexible at times and that's not a problem but it's usually Sunday evenings and uh, usually takes about an hour hour and a half of your time in order to record something and get it out there and uh, if you are interested then then do drop us a line radio at disneybrit.com I want to talk about Disneyland Paris again and the Go reason ahead. I want to talk about Disneyland Paris is because of the document that came out this week with regards to the annual general meeting that's coming up very, very soon. And there was a, a, a finance document that appeared. It was the Euro Disney 2015 annual reference document um, where they've been actually, to be honest, been reasonably honest with the kind of situation the, the, the company is in financially. We know that over the past year they've had a 1 billion euro recapitalization sort of project that happened which redistributed shares and brought in more money and all that sort of stuff and Disney have been quite honest about all of that that's happened they've also uh, been quite honest about what they're expected to happen in the resorts over the next year or so certainly over the first quarter of 2016 because of what happened in Paris and we we did talk on the show um, about the Paris terrorist attacks that happened and how they might have an impact upon Disneyland Paris and the things that are happening Um, and Disney have kind of said in this document that it is going to have a negative impact on how the uh, company is going to move forward particularly its activities in the first quarter of 2016 and that then may have a knock-on effect on subsequent months and all those bits and pieces um so we've got that sort of element in there that we thought was quite interesting but the, the biggest thing for me that was really interesting and something that not only interesting but also slightly i suppose slightly worrying um is this i'm going to read it word for word you just say the group has regularly incurred losses and is not certain to generate profits in the near future the group's net loss for the fiscal year amounted to 101.9 million euros compared to a net loss of 113.7 million and 78.7 million euros in fiscal years 2014 and 2013 respectively in the past the group has regularly incurred losses in challenging economic contexts combined with its high level of indebtedness and the cost of significant investments required by its activities while the group's current strategy is designed to generate profits in the future there can be no assurance based on past performance that the group will achieve this objective accordingly the value of the company's shares could be adversely affected you've not heard that yet what's your opinion on that it's in in theory just and um, the Walt Disney Company injects a load of money and they did the whole restructuring thing because they were trying to turn it around. Yeah. But this sort of um document that you're reading there suggests that haha, you've given us more money and it's not gonna happen. So to give you kind of a an idea, over the past two thousand thirteen, fourteen and fifteen, the company has lost about two hundred and ninety million. Oh, I was being a bit cynical with saying net loss because I've just had a quick Google of that to yeah. find out what the definition of net loss is. And the definition is, just, just for clarity here, um, the definition of net loss, the results that occur when expenses exceed the income or total revenue produced yeah. given time period. Um, and here's another sentence which sort of gives it a little bit more rationalization into it. For tax purposes, net losses in one time period can be used to counteract the income and gains generated in another time period. Yeah. So, for example, if you're having a... For, for, for example, I, I moved our workshop um, from one location to another. And when we moved, we spent a load of money on equipment and machinery, which meant that in the next tax year, our tax was lower because we spent more yeah. than we made. On a, on, a, on a profit basis, however, we were still financially positive. Yeah. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Whereas Disney have basically it's, it's, spent more than it's earned. Yeah, there's it's nothing that can be said apart from they are, they are they're, they're doing massive refurbishment projects. There is. Yeah, there is a huge amount going on at the moment. New attractions um, and all, all this sort of stuff that they've been spending money on. 
But the, I think, did, it, did someone say that it's not going to be until about 2020 that before you start to see any profit? Yeah, it's, well, at the moment, it's looking something around there. But obviously, there is a lot of work going on at the moment. You've got to take into consideration that we've got... Um, Things like Big Thunder's currently down. We're about to get the Star Wars enhancements that's going to happen. We've yeah. got um, Animagic that closes at the end of January for a new attraction to go in there. We've got all of those bits and pieces that are happening. That's fine. But what we're going to take into consideration is the cost of all of those isn't likely to come out until next fiscal year. So yeah. we're not even taking these into consideration. So at the moment, things are not great for Disneyland Paris. No. To, to lose 101.9 million euros last year is a huge amount of money for it to lose. Now, I think we, we go down to the question as to why this has happened. Yep. And for me, it's down to how expensive the resort is. I wonder if I can find out some information on this. Have a look right. so we can we can find. Because the thing is, you know, and I, I've followed this a few conversations that have happened on Facebook about this, and there's been two ways, two you know, two completely polar opposite opinions that have come out. Some people have turned around and said, you know, it's ridiculously expensive. We don't go as much as we would, or we can't go as much as we would like to, or we don't go at all because we can't afford it. It costs us this much to go and stay in this hotel. It costs us this much to go and do this. If you were to go and buy a park ticket. For example, you know, it will cost this much. So I'll give you an example. Um, if you're going to go and stay in, uh, you're going to go to the Disney ho Hotel. Well, you're not going to stay in a Disney Hotel. You're going to go and pay for your day parks ticket. And you go join a peak season. It's currently about £49 per day. Now, let's imagine there's three of you in your family for a two-park ticket, £49 per day. You're looking at £150 per day for three people, £200 for four people for one day in a theme park. Okay one day and then you're looking at if you want to do the other park for a second day you're looking at another couple of hundred quid so you're looking at somewhere between three to four hundred pounds just on two-day tickets now from our point of view we know the ways to do this and the ways to go around it you can either buy individual tickets you can go for annual passes you can do all this sort of stuff that save us particular money but you've got to look at people you know joe blogs who looks at disneyland paris goes on the disneyland paris website because they know that's the best place probably to get their tickets and they see how much those tickets cost and they go oh that's how much it is then. We can't afford £400 for two days. We can't go. And then there are people who look at the hotels and things like that and realise obviously park tickets are thrown in. But for some people, they're looking at four, five, six hundred pounds for a few days. And they think, well, hang on a second. That's for two or three days. I could save that. I can go on a week's holiday here at this particular time. Um, it's great for some people. And following this argument, some people have kind of said, yeah, but hang on. You know, you can get it for, you can get four days for £200. Um, and yeah, that's great if you don't have kids who are in school who can't get out or like me, you know, you can't just take time whenever you want to. You can only take it during school holidays and then suddenly it becomes ridiculously expensive. And um, so, you know, there are people who have also said, well, there's an easy way to do this. And I genuinely, I struggle with this concept that some people I've read have said, why don't we just double everything, double the price of everything and then Disney will make the money they need to make. Yeah. I'm I struggle with that logic. Hang on a second. If people are already complaining about how expensive it is, then I can tell you now, if Disney turned around and doubled its prices for everything, then I won't be going anymore. Because I can't afford to go. Yeah. I, th I think D Disney isn't cheap. And there's a lot. I've been listening to a podcast by um, uh, Lee Cockrell. Yeah. And one of the things he talks about there is the cost of items and how um, Bill Marriott said at one point um, right okay I want to raise the cost of a burger to $1.10 yeah. and the head chef this was years ago said whoa 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 you can't raise the cost of a burger above a dollar and he said Mr Marriott if the burger's good enough people will pay the money Yeah. now to a certain extent I agree with that because Disney isn't a cheap holiday. However, you do pay a little bit more, or a lot more, and I personally feel like you get value for money because the experience is unique. It can't be repeated anywhere else, and you feel as though you're, you're getting value for money. Um, whereas so if you did a comparison to going to Alton Towers, say, and you pay 60 quid for a ticket, I don't know what it is, 
It's about £45 on the door, I think, for Ontario. £45 on the door, yeah. then. You, you feel as though you're paying for £45 worth of entertainment. You know, it's it's you're there all day, but it's not immersive. It's not amazing. Hmm. However, you pay, I don't know what it is in terms of pounds for Disneyland Paris. Say it was 80 quid. I've got no idea. Yeah. You, you feel as though that £80 actually does make a difference. You are getting an extra £35 worth of quality there. Yeah. Um, but it is expensive. There's no way around it. And there will be. there is a, a point where people can't afford to go anymore. Um, I'm, one of the things I was looking to try and find out was to do with hotel occupancy. Yeah. Because obviously if, um, if the hotel rooms aren't being filled up, you know, that that's... That would say to them that the price is wrong. But however, I can't really find that information out on this. It was, um, it was a financial report from 2015. It might be the same one you've looked at now. Yeah. Um, but one of the things it does say, in, it, it might be the last quarter that I'm looking at. But basically, the income from theme parks was up. Yeah. Um, the income from hotels in the Disney Village was up. Yeah. Um, the income from other... I don't know what that is, was down. It could be whether that's park maintenance or improvements or anything like that, I don't know. Yeah. But basically the cost of the money coming in from hotels was up by, in this in this report I'm looking at, which is um, the third quarter of 2015. Yeah. 1.9%. Um, well, it all goes back to the discrepancies that were brought up in the summer um, with regards to different prices being offered to different people at different times. Yeah. And, um, you know, if Disney's occupancy is down at a certain point, and they'll offer Germany this sort of thing because they know they've got this happening here. So they can offer that to them, but it's not available to the UK or to Spain or to France or Belgium or whatever. Um, and it's this, they're kind of playing around with different options for different people in order to try and make it look better. But um, I, I struggle with Disney putting in these offers for different countries when actually I don't see why they don't just reduce... The, the price of staying there, etc., just across the board. Food-wise, you know, I don't think, bearing in mind it's a theme park, food-wise, I don't think it's that expensive, you know, for a theme park. It's not cheap, admittedly, and it still isn't a lot of money, but for a theme park, I don't think it's as horrendous as it could be. But it's it's the other elements that they don't necessarily take into consideration because every, you know, everybody's got to travel there. Um, for us in the UK, you know, the only way we can get there is by getting on a boat, a train, or a plane. You can't just drive. Um, and that obviously adds cost on as well. And uh, then you've got your hotels, you've you've got all of those bits and pieces that come with it as well. And with obviously Disneyland Paris hotels being as expensive as they are, since yep. the increase, since the, the, the refurbishment of Newport Bay, that's gone up in price, which again has put another option for people that they can't necessarily afford. You look at the Disneyland Hotel, yes, it's right at the entrance, but you, you know, you look at seven, eight hundred, nine hundred pound a night, and you think, you know, is it ever worth that? No, it's probably not ever worth that, to be honest. Mm. Um, and I just think the resort, those elements of the resort are just becoming so expensive that actually they're, they're going to be doing damage to the company. And then we take on top of that some of the other elements. Now, do you know how much Tom Wolber gets paid for being the president of Disneyland Paris? He does it voluntarily, doesn't he? Yes, he does it voluntarily. No. Um, he gets paid just over a million euros a year for, wow. for being the president of Disneyland Paris. On top of that, he has a stock option through the Walt Disney Company that's worth four, just over €400,000. And he also holds another €2,500 Disney shares worth just over €3,000. So we're looking at, you know, he's worth just under €1.5 million. Euros, if he wants it a year. Yeah, and what I, what worries me is that how does he get paid a million euros a year when the place he's in charge of is losing money? How does that work? You know, if you look at places which is supposed to be, you know, you look at result-led salaries and things for a lot of people. You know, they'll get a bonus if they do this, or you know, if they don't do this, then they get kicked out. Whereas 
the resort has made losses now for three years. I know he's not been charged for three years. The resort has made losses now for three years, and a statement has come out as part of that annual review saying that the resort isn't likely to make money anytime soon. Going to continue to make losses. How is he? How is he worth a, a million euros? Maybe because he's he's got. A, maybe he's just a good front man that'll go. Yep, yeah, we're losing money, but these are the positive reasons we're losing money. Yeah, but the, but but why is he getting a million euros? Is he worth a million euros? Of course he's not worth a million euros. You know, that's a ridiculous amount of money to run a theme park or run a resort. Surely he should be getting a certain amount. Surely this man should be getting this much in in wage. And then, just like any other company, he gets bonuses if this section does well. So, if the hotels do well and make profit, he gets this much money. If the theme park makes X amount of profit, he gets this much money. If there's a loss or such here, then he doesn't get that particularly as a bonus. Surely, somebody who goes, I'm going to get paid a million euros no matter what happens, is mm. going to is not going to make as much of an effort to improve a resort as somebody who knows they're not going to get paid this unless this is right or this is right or this is right. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to find some the latest financial things, but I'm, all I'm getting is last or the half year. Yeah, they won't necessarily got everything out yet. So it's now, not out yet. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, don't get me wrong. I think since Walbus come in, he's done extremely well, and I think a lot of the stuff that he's done for the resort is very, very positive, and I think the 25th anniversary is going to be absolutely fantastic, but I just don't see how it can be worth that much salary. And uh, the other issue we've got, I think, with Disneyland Paris as well, um, is that it's in such a, an element of transition at the moment with so much that is going on. You look at the railroad not being open, Star Tours is going to go down, Jedi Training Academy for a brief time is going to go. Um, you've got things like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and Big Thunder closed. You've got It's a Small World, I think, is about to reopen. Um, you've got a lot of Adventureland that's currently closed as well with all the bits and pieces that are going on. So you've, you've got kind of... Disneyland Park is in a little bit of a Hollywood Studios situation at the moment, and for a lot of 2016, coming into 2017, that's what's going to be happening. You know, people are going to come along to the park and go, why is a third of the park behind green walls? Um, and come the end of 2017, 2018, I think you're going to find that the resort's going to really flourish because it's going to have so many changes. But it's how are they going to get themselves out of this situation with all this refurb that's going on and the fact that this refurb's going to cost a hell of a lot of money. Um, and they've got to spend it in order to improve it. And there's obviously a lot of work going on just on general maintenance of the resort as well with the obviously the Newport Bay update and all those sort of things, some of the Sequoia Lodge stuff that's been happening. It is going to make a difference, but it's like how much money are they going to lose doing all that in order to hopefully then reap rewards come 2018, 2019, 2020, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss really to, to, to give a good comment because... When I'm, I'm looking at these figures that I can find, and for example, in 2015, the revenues that they brought in was yeah. under 600 million. Yeah. And the cost and expenses was 710 million. Yeah. There's, there's got to be a point where you actually think, well, hang on a second. Doesn't matter how how many million you're spending, it's it's not a good marketing company. It's not yeah. a good. It's not a good thing for promoting Florida or the films. Surely yeah. it's just a money loss machine. Well, at the minute, yeah, which is a worry, really. Will Will Dis Disney Nature help, or the na Village Nature? I don't know. I really don't know. I honestly couldn't say yes or no. I don't know what's going to happen with it. Um, but I would think, you know, I think if we're going to look at this, I would expect even... I would expect next year their losses to be even bigger and then maybe from there it might improve there's every chance that disney might even close some of the hotels they've done it before in the past we've had some hotels that have closed during quieter seasons to try and recoup revenue because they're not spending out on the expenditure of running a resort that's going to be empty mm -hmm. um whether that's something they might consider as well i, I really don't know but um we'll see won't we we'll find out and obviously yeah. we'll keep people informed on on what it is that happens and and how it affects the resort as we go. I think it'd be interesting to see what happens over the course of this year at Disneyland Paris because you've the run Disney thing. Will that be something that drags more people in and starts to build as a regular? Well, it's certainly a, a time of year, isn't it, when it's normally quieter. Yeah, um, 
and they may use that to sort of add momentum onto other things. Yeah. Um, it'll be very interesting to know what happens this year. See what happens. Fingers crossed, something positive will happen. But we'll uh, we'll wait and see. Yeah. Right. Um, that's everything we wanted to talk about today, which is pretty good going. If yep. you've got any uh, any comments, questions, suggestions, opinions, anything at all to do with the Disneyland Paris stuff you want to throw our way, then do send it to uh, radio at disneybook.com. Also, if you are going over to Disneyland Paris for the AGM and you want to kind of report back to us about what was said at the AGM, etc., we have had that done in the past, which has been really helpful. And please do let us know as well, and we'll we'll do that with you and get you on the show so you can come and talk about what's been going on. But it does sound like the, you know a lot of the parks around the world are currently in a lot of transition at the minute. There's a lot of change going on. Disney is spending a huge amount of money. It'd just be good to see if Disneyland Paris can get themselves back in the in the black world and in the red. Okay. Right. Uh, well, anyway, thank you once again for joining us. Thank you, Alan. No problem. Anytime. And uh, we've got loads of stuff for you to contact us about. Of course, I've said the email is radio at disneybrit.com. If you want to contact us with tomorrow's child, you want to tell us... Um, what was it again, Alan? Um, what is your... Favourite of all time Disney character. Yeah, any any Disney character, Marvel, Star Wars, basically anything Disney owns is absolutely fine. Uh, you can also, also contact us if you want to become part of the team, whether we're looking to come and join the podcast and be part of the actual podcast team or whether you want to come and work as part of the web team, anything like that at all. Again, email us, radiodisneybrit.com. And finally, uh, if you want to talk to us about anything Disneyland Paris related, as we've talked about as well, please do that. It would be great to hear from you. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter at DisneyBrit. And as well as that, you can also go over to our website disneybrit.com and if you go on there you'll find all of the past shows are up there for you to listen to download and and, and take on board if you want to do that um have i missed anything um no but i'd like to say that i know it's tenuously marvelly linked jessica jones oh yes absolutely love that one not watched it yet need to watch it maybe that is this week's viewing to yes, watch totally. jessica jones and see how good that is um it's a Netflix one, isn't it? It's a Netflix one, and we're about halfway through the season, and Fabulous. I can't stop watching it. Okay, it's... I've got time to watch that now. I've finished watching Making a Murderer, so uh, which isn't <laughs> Disney tenuous Disney's link at all, but that's it. Oh. Right, we'll be back next week. Until then, we'll see ya. Was swell!